Building a business is hard. Maintaining healthy relationships with those that you care about is hard. Staying fit and healthy in your body, your mind, and your emotions is hard. This podcast is about finding and sharing tools, strategies, and experiences that may help you to achieve and maintain moderate success in your life, whatever that means to you. There is a ton of content created by the billionaires, the ultra-successful athletes, and by people that are at a level that the vast majority of us will just never get to. And if you're anything like me, I'm totally okay with that. This is a place where we talk about how to build a great business, but not necessarily a massive one. A place to talk about how we build a life that is balanced and integrated, but not necessarily optimized to levels that are not realistic for most of us. In short, it's a place where we explore how to be moderately successful. The work will always remain yours, and for the most part, it's simple, but not easy. I want to challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. I want to challenge you to take whatever resonates with you from this episode and to teach it to somebody that you think will benefit from it, and to do so in the next 24 hours. This will embed the learnings for yourself, and you'll be helping someone else as well as the podcast. Lastly, please share this with whoever you think needs to have this in their lives. The more reach we can get, the more impact we can have. With that said, let's get into it. Everybody, good to be back. So today, I want to talk about the importance that I've come to realize about having a plan in just about every aspect of my life and how it can, at least it has, well, at least it has, not how it can, but how it has actually increased efficacy for me and and effectiveness, decreased anxiety, reduced the amount of bad decisions that I am making and have made. And it's really unlocked a lot of stuff for me. And that's why I titled this episode, you know, get out of your own way by having a plan. Cause I was really getting in my own way by making decisions based on emotion or being super sort of reactive or impulsive or emotional. And sometimes they can lead to good outcomes, but on the whole, I think on average, they, they just generally don't, at least not for me. So today I'm going to speak a little about a little bit about investing, a little bit about fitness and health, a little bit about financial personal financial management, and nothing that I'm saying today is financial advice. This really is something that you should do your own investment, uh, your own investigation on and your own research. So let me jump into it. So I guess the background to this is that my default, especially, is to jump around a lot. I'm pretty sure I've, I've got ADD. I've never been diagnosed, but I don't really care whether I have or I haven't. My brain sort of jumps around and follows the shiny object, and I get distracted very, very easily. It also means that I'm sort of, by nature, I make quite impulsive decisions, and by nature, I struggle to focus. So I've had to really develop tools and, yeah, just tools and processes to not stop this because I think that's actually a strength when it's harnessed, but to just learn how to kind of embrace this and use this to my advantage. And and having a plan for things is definitely one of these one of these things that I've I've learned to do. A mentor of mine used to tell me kind of week in and week out to stay focused and not to get distracted by all the opportunities. And of course, I knew better and, until I didn't. And I quote Jim Collins a lot. And, you know, Jim Collins in Good to Great actually discovers this and, and, and speaks about this where he says, you know, with mo- most great companies, it's not a lack of opportunity that kills them. In fact, it's too much opportunity that kills them. And the inability to focus, always following the opportunities, not actually figuring out which are the best ones and then going very deep and focusing on those ones. So just because there's opportunity there doesn't necessarily need to mean that we should follow it. But again, it's it's a skill and an experience that teaches us which ones to follow and which ones to ignore. So like I said, 
you know, I, I kind of quote unquote knew better until I didn't. And, and this manifested in quite a lot of ways, some of which included a couple of pretty bad investments from a business perspective, you know, following a shiny object, uh, getting involved in a startup, finding myself focusing a lot of time and effort and energy on said startup, and then actually not even realizing until it was a little bit too late that actually my main business was taking a knock and hurting because of how distracted I was on these other shiny objects, and then having to scramble back and, and focus again on the main business. And this actually happened a few times until I sort of just by sheer, you know, failure, I guess, learned that one needs to be, well, at least I need to be really deliberate about which shiny objects I'm going to follow. It also manifested in starting new offerings within the business before we had actually nailed our core offerings. So, you know, jumping around to do new and shiny things before we had actually nailed the things that we were sort of primarily focused on, resulting in in, in kind of just doing everything badly. Another one is just being very unclear about our positioning, and, and, and this is very common in business, is, is trying to be everything to everyone. And that's really just the result of not having a plan, not having focus, not having the discipline to, to hammer out the things that you've agreed to hammer out rather than chasing the, the shiny object. From an investment perspective, for me, it's resulted in a lot of impulsive investment behavior and a lot of FOMOing, you know, fear of missing out, FOMOing into investments, which very seldom have good results. So... For me, when I began to finally accept and adopt all of this is when I started reducing the chances that I was making bad decisions in business and investing or actually just about any part of my life, even fitness and training. And I started to try to be disciplined on investing the time up front to develop a plan on what I'm going to do and then to stick to that plan. And at this point, you might be thinking, okay, that's cool, Mike, but what if I don't know what the right plan is? And you would definitely not be alone in this thinking. In fact, to this day, I have plans for everything and I still don't know. In fact, I'm pretty certain that my plans are not the best possible plans, but that's okay. And in my experience, it's better to start with a plan and then to stick to the plan and then to observe the plan. And then very importantly, to adjust the plan when it becomes clear that it needs to be adjusted. The critical thing here is two parts. One, never deviate outside of your plan, but two, and equally important, be completely open to adjusting and changing the plan when you need to. And those two things are not the same. One is being undisciplined and going, oh, you know what? I'm just going to do this anyway outside of your plan. The other one is going, oh, that's interesting. The environment, my information, the market, the situation, something has changed and I need to shift the plan to adapt to the change. So the two sort of critical rules here for me are never step outside the plan and the other one is change the plan whenever you need to and whenever it makes sense. So let me walk you through some examples in, in, in my life. And again, this is definitely not financial advice. And a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about here is actually not sort of real. It's more just sort of for example. So I have a pretty deep interest and, and passion and, and, and a bit of a hobby in, in crypto investing. So I'm not a trader. Um, I don't trade at all. But I, in other words, what I mean is I pretty much just buy and hold crypto assets of so Bitcoin, Ethereum, that kind of thing. And this is probably one of the best examples of where having a plan is so critically important because it is so hard not to jump into FOMO investments and to buy emotionally and to follow the hype and to freak out or get excited. It's such a great example of where a plan is just so important. And I haven't always had a plan, that's for sure. I've made money, I've lost money, but only sort of relatively recently, I'd say maybe in the last year and a half, 
ish, maybe two years have I had a plan and, and it's been a hell of a lot better for me. So I'll talk you through sort of some examples of a plan. So the first one is how I arrange my portfolio. So the first thing I look at is I go, okay, what percentage do I want in low risk, medium risk, and high risk? And how will I determine what is low risk, high risk, medium risk? So for me, I have sort of, you know, the lion's share of my portfolio and what, what I determine low risk within crypto assets. And then I have a smaller amount, let's say, I don't know, 20% in medium risk assets. And then I have a very small amount, like 5% of my crypto portfolio in very high risk or what I call the fun stuff. So that's the sort of stuff like NFTs and Dogecoin and I don't know, crazy projects that are just kind of like play, like kind of play for me and, and they satisfy my curiosity. So the first sort of discipline is low risk, medium risk, high risk and allocate the percentages. The second part is within those categories of low risk, high risk, medium risk, how much per asset am I going to maximally invest in? So let's say in the low risk, let's say I put Bitcoin in the low risk, I might say, okay, it's going to be 50% of my portfolio is low risk. But within that, I'm going to have, for argument's sake, whatever, Bitcoin, Solana, and Ethereum. Again, not financial advice. Then I might say, what is the maximum amount as a percentage of Bitcoin, Solana, and Ethereum, respectively, will I buy? And that alone helps me not to make bad decisions because I've pre-thought about what is the maximum amount I want as a percentage. So if I'm at that percentage and I feel like I want to buy some more of one of the assets, I look at the percentages if I'm at the percentage, I don't buy. If I'm under the percentage, I do. Then I have a plan on when and how and how much I'm going to put in into my crypto portfolio. And that's pretty much automated. So in my case, I dollar cost average. So what that means is, is I basically set the same amount of dollars every week to go into my crypto portfolio. And then I decide on what I, what I buy with those dollars based on a plan which tells me what percentage of each token I want to own. And I just slowly but surely chip away and I buy little bits every single week. I don't care what the price is. I don't even look at the price. I just automated same amount of money every week buying up until those percentages that I spoke about. I don't even have to think about it. It reduces the emotional strain. It reduces the thinking cycles I have to go through. Am I buying the perfect tokens? Probably not. Is there a way to structure a portfolio better than mine? I'm almost sure there is, but it doesn't matter. For me, this is a lot better than just buying on emotion or on a whim or on how I feel or on something that I read or some hype or some fear or something. It's a plan that doesn't care how I feel. Then I've also got a plan on what type of assets I invest in. So again, in crypto, you've got tons of different types of cryptocurrencies. And in my case, I pretty much only invest in the infrastructure. So I only invest in layer ones. Don't worry about what those are. If you're not into it, it doesn't really matter. But the vast majority of my portfolio, literally 95% of my portfolio is only in layer ones because I believe that they are kind of the infrastructure of the crypto world. And I have a whole sort of theory on why I think those are the best investments. Again, not investment advice. But literally 95% of my portfolio is only layer one. So again, I don't even have to think about which assets I'm going to invest in or how much because I've pre-thought about this. So it makes it much easier. Then I've got my 5% left over, which I spoke about in the beginning. And that's really for playing around with. So if I haven't already allocated 5%, then I can go and have fun and buy a Dogecoin or an NFT or something silly like that. That's to satisfy my curiosity. And that works for me. It might not work for you. So again, none of this is financial advice, but really what I'm trying to indicate here is that 
this plan helps me to not have to think about what I'm buying, when I'm buying, how much of it I'm buying. It makes a lot of these decisions for me because I've put the thinking up front and it really reduces anxiety, reduces bad decisions for me, reduces FOMO. And that's really the point for me because I'm looking at this over a long-term time period. Again, is this the best possible plan? I mean, I'm almost certain that it's not the best possible plan, but it's a much, much better situation for me than not having a plan at all. And it takes away so many of the risks of bad decision and, and buying for the wrong reasons. So if we shift gears a little bit, we can move into something a lot more simple and relatable to most people, and that's just simply one's personal monthly finances. So my plan that I use here also took me a long time to have the discipline to put this in. And to be honest, it did take quite a lot of sort of upfront time. But once I had done this, it's, it's really been pretty automated now for, for years. And that plan is around my, you know, my salary and my monthly expenses. It's all pretty much automated now. I won't go into huge amounts of detail. What I will do is call out um, a brilliant book that helped me with this called The Barefoot Investor by Scott Pape, which really outlines a very cool, simple, but very effective like automation strategy here. But basically what happens, very simplified, is my salary comes in, it pretty much automatically gets spat out into a whole lot of bank accounts. And those bank accounts are bank accounts that I've set up. So one is for like utilities and school fees. One is for like groceries and house stuff. One is for housing. You know, that might be rent. It might be a mortgage, whatever your case may be. Another one is for things that my wife and I just are spending money basically. So, you know, clothes and coffees and whatever else. Another one is for savings. Another one is for unforeseen expenses, which we call fire extinguisher. And that's for things that are inevitably going to come up that we haven't budgeted for, et cetera, et cetera. So this is all pre-thought about so that I don't have to think about how much money I have for this or how much money I have for that. It's all been pre-worked out. It's automated into different bank accounts. It just happens by itself. It takes away brain cycles. It takes away stress. Is this the ultimate, I'll never have monthly money problem solution again? No. If you don't earn enough money, you're still going to have a problem. What it does, though, is it takes away a lot of the thinking burden and stress around it because you're looking at what is, you're doing the thinking work up front, you're doing the planning work up front, you're doing the automating work up front so that month in and month out, this is just so much easier and you don't have to think about it. Again, there are certainly better ways, I'm sure, to run your monthly finances. And is this the ultimate system? No, probably not. But once again, the value to this for me is that I reduce the chances and frequency and likelihood of making bad decisions. The last example that I'll share is a physical one, and that's around training. So in my case, training usually consists of cycling, so generally mountain biking and indoor training, and then like a little bit of strength work. So this one requires more willpower because you've still got to actually do the thing, where the other ones, you can largely automate a lot of it. But for me, I found that when I say, cool, this is my goal, and I'm going to train X many times a week for this amount of time in this fashion, and ideally with that person, because that creates accountability, when I do that, I have a much, much higher chance of success versus just saying, I'm going to train a lot when I feel like it, because you haven't done the thinking work up front. And for me, the more detailed I get, the better. And the more I shift my environment physically around reducing the friction and, and the things in between me and training, the better chances I have. So I'm talking about physical things there. So for example, I have an indoor trainer, an indoor you know, bike that, that's hooked up to Zwift and a screen and all those things, and it's always ready to go. So my cycling shoes are always next to the bike. The bike is always absolutely ready to rock and roll so that when I want to train, 
there's a very small amount of friction between me sitting at my home office and walking downstairs into the garage and being on the bike and training. If it wasn't set up, if I had to like connect it and go and find my shoes and clear out the garage, et cetera, et cetera, the chances of me training are so much lower. So the physical one is, it still requires a lot of willpower, but again, having the plan and adjusting the plan rather than breaking the plan yields much better results for me. The point here really overarching, if I haven't made it around 10 times already, is that having a plan for just about everything in my life has massively reduced my effort. It's reduced the amount of time that I think about the things that generally stress us out as people, which is like money, family, health, fitness, all of that kind of stuff, and the anxiety that comes with that. And it's created more time to actually do these things, which, which is great. And particularly for me, because of my nature, it's reduced the amount of bad decisions that I make enormously. So I really just want to stress the two key components here. And the one is when you create a plan, you're agreeing to not deviate from the plan. You don't break the plan. You don't step away from the plan. But at the same time, you need to be willing to and change your plan as your information around you changes, as your environment changes, as you learn and as you go. So change the plan, adapt the plan, but never step out of the plan. Again, this is definitely not financial advice. But I really do hope that something in here was useful to you. And I'd actually love to hear your thoughts on how you've used plans in your career, your investment life, your physical fitness life, your family, etc. How you've used plans to reduce complexity, reduce anxiety, and, and increase and improve the effectiveness of, of the things that you do. If you want to talk about working with me as a business improvement coach, please reach out either on mike at smbmastery.com.au or you can find me on LinkedIn. Please do share this podcast with whoever you think will get value from it. And if you have five minutes, please do give us a rating and review. They really do help with making the podcast visible. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening and I'll be back soon with the next episode.